Yeah, what you guys were just looking at was live footage of the beach kickback that we had on Venice Beach. It was crazy. Everyone showed up and started doing backflips off the lifeguard stand. And I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and so, um, hey guys, welcome. You welcome. About? You didn't see the thing? You didn't see it? I was looking at Zapperfy. Oh, you were looking. You know, <laughs> Corey wasn't even a part of the. No, um, that was stock kickback footage from the planet. So this is a kickback. If you don't know what a kickback is, I believe the official dictionary is larger than a get together, but smaller than a party. Right? Yeah. Did you make that up? Nope. Urban Dictionary did. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. So this is we're just getting to reflect on us six years of doing the Bitcoin podcast. And how does it, how does it feel? Well, Jesse, three years for you. Yeah. Six years for Corey and myself. Six years of avid listening for Wayne. Maybe not quite six. I, I, I didn't start in the beginning, beginning. I did catch up. I think I've listened to every episode for sure. Uh, because yeah, I know I a started, few people. You're one of them that have listened to every single episode. Yeah. So, you know, going from the different intros and the, you know, the different attitudes, the adoption is the only thing. And then just sometimes price, sometimes not price. And then the interviews and then the expansion of all the different shows and then the de-expansion back to core. So, yeah. Can you like, what's it like from a, like from someone who's just been consuming the content and listening to our voices and, and the the like the curated content that we put out in the world through episodes ver- via like the content that's in the Slack. Like, what's your what's been your experiences like us over the course of those six years? Because you're like you're one of the like the few people who have, who who would have an opinion of the entire thing. Uh, I'd say Alicia is one of them. She's on backstage. Maybe she'll come and join us. Like Joe, hold it before you answer that. Have you ever fallen asleep to the sound of my voice, Wayne? <laughs> uh, I have been driving when you said, okay, you people who are driving, pull over. And then you said to do something. That was <laughs> You did that shtick, I don't know, a dozen times because, because you got more into the fact that you knew you were connecting to somebody after the fact, right? And, mm-hmm. and it goes into answering Corey's question. I, I do consume a lot of crypto content, whether it be on YouTube or Patreon or um, I use Downcast as a as a podcast app. So there's there's a whole bunch of different crypto podcasts. And when you try to optimize your consumption of this, you you get certain tricks. Like you listen to one and a half X on some podcasts and others like hashing it out. You can't. You can't go, you have to go normal speed in order to turn to consume it. So from my perspective, listening to all the different kinds of content, I listen to highly produced content, you know, people who they have many people behind the scenes, they, they make it a product, right? Because they are producing it kind of like the music I listen to. I love highly produced albums, people who spend a year on an album, getting the right sound, inventing sounds, all that kind of stuff. And then there's a, a complete contrast to like jazz or live or unproduced content where it's just like, I want to take the minimal amount of time 
to produce this content, but I want to make it useful. I want to get it out. And I put you guys somewhere in the middle, but leaning towards the unproduced, right? You, you do some editing, you do some, you know, you do your agenda, you are your topics to consider, but it was clear to me as I listened to you, you were more interested in making sure you didn't get bored and you were more interested in being what D would call authentic, but it's, it's, it's different than that. And you like to hell with the, with the produced, right? You didn't want to get to make this a job for you. You wanted this to continue your passion. So I stayed around because you stayed around. You stayed around with this. This is what I care about doing. And then there, when there were things that you didn't care about doing, like following the price, you just stopped doing it. And even though that was in conflict with probably a lot of people coming to you, they wanted price. So you you found a good, I think, compromise on that because then sometimes D would say, hey, people are here for the price. Let's talk about the price and then let's stop, right? You found a way to, <laughs> to kind of do the, do what the masses wanted. So you stay relevant somewhat, but for the most part, you, you have your own drum. And I'd say from, from the con- consumer perspective, I really enjoyed that, but I will never give up the produced content that I watch. You know, the Andreas Antonopoulos is in the oh, Unchained sure. and those stuff. kind of things. It's good stuff because they're putting so much effort in making sure that I get a really good message that they like. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And you guys, the effort is longevity and going on, you know, even the tangents that you guys go on, it's, it's that's something missing from the produced content. So you're filling this gap that the other content doesn't have. And I think as you continue to grow, you know, mm-hmm. when you had had more and more podcasts and then you, you, you took them away. I, I think that also helps the, the consumer grow with you. So hopefully that answers your question, Corey. That's I wasn't looking for a specific answer. I just wanted your opinion. Like it's, yeah. you've been around the whole time. I, and I, and us making it, you're right. Like it's been a matter of how do we make this so that we keep doing it? Yeah. And just forward by either saying the same things over and over again, catering to a specific audience or talking about things we don't care about. Like, I don't care about price. It's not why I'm here. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's nice sometimes and it helps with me living, but that's not the point that I want to talk about all the time, especially speculation of price. Uh, and we, we've all been here for various reasons, but the, like the unifying thing is we all have jobs or we all have something we have to do for the good portion of the week. So how do we keep this so that it's a, like a minimal amount of work that gets above a certain threshold of quality. That's also fun and engaging for us to like yeah. have some social time and at least entertain ourselves in the process yeah. of like keeping up with what's going on. And the most important thing about our jobs is they don't suck. But if your job sucks, no, I'm playing. Uh, you know, like like Corey said, we just don't want to be bored. We want to have fun doing this. And if uh, you want to talk about price all the time, then go, you know, on yahoo.finance.com or whatever and go look at the price. If you want to make your own, if you want to draw lines on charts, uh, even though I did do that and it can be fun. Um, 
it just wears that's for sure it is it is you start like let me look at the five minute chart 15 minute chart one hour chart two hour chart i need more monitors so i can have them all at the same time (laughs) let me change let me change my parameters oh i like the way that triangle looks that's the parameter that i like like you just it just becomes a self-fulfilling cycle of Am I really making that money much money or am I just making a little bit more than fees? Right? Like that's, that's oh, what funny enough, trading like, we were like in the, in the early days, we were we were trading a lot more, I think. Um yeah. and the more sophisticated we got, this is probably speaks our ability to be sophisticated, the like the less we made. Or if we made it all. Yeah. That was a, <laughs> when we were like taking swings, we were like, holy shit. I made $2,000 that day. This is, I'm going to quit my life. And then the next day we're like, this is me quitting my life. I'm really serious about this. Oh, there went my $2,000. Oh, <laughs> but just, just uh, what about you? you? You, you started listening relatively early and then you contributed to the, to the community a lot. You got into trading and then and you've, you've, we've talked about this before. And then you just started like contributing to the podcast and making content with D. What was that like? wait i think contributing to the content in terms of making uh the original show that i did with d what the header yeah or uh, was it like before that just like, that how'd, how'd you find us and why, why are you here how did i find you guys I'm i don't sure. know honestly i forgot <laughs> we just we just mysteriously enter into people's lives yeah. I, I remember listening over. to the first episode i remember what road i was on i remember the train track i remember wow. i remember what was going on at the time and i the train track what are you doing no that, that was going i would just remember the road i was on there was a train track i was going over and i just found the bitcoin podcast that it was i don't know episode 80 or something and it's just so weird now. I cannot remember what link or how I found out about Bitcoin podcast. You know what that means, Corey? We are SEO ninjas, and we need to keep it that way. That's what that means. We just enter people's life through natural interneting, and then they don't even know how they get here. So, Jesse, can you can you not think of the, the like the what was going on the first episode that you listened to, or how you happened on it? I'm trying to think. So I think, I mean, we can look at the dates, right? When I joined Slack, it was probably like, probably winter of, was it, is it winter of 2016 or early 2017 when I joined? So it's just as the previous bull market started kind of. Yeah, it would have been 2016, early 2017. Yeah. So I was, I was working as an engineer at the time and I was, I was honestly like intrigued by crypto in terms of how it was pervasive in the games that I was playing. And I didn't really realize how big of an impact it was in terms of moving value off of video games between video games. Um, and then I, I, I got into like buying a sum of Bitcoin at the time. And it was probably around when the price was like, I don't know, uh, 1200, give or take a few hundred. And that was sometime, I think, December of 2016, January, 2017. And I pretty much got into it purely because I saw the monetary aspect. Um, I didn't, I didn't, 
I mean, it was just Bitcoin at the time. I think that was like Ethereum was like not even on my radar at the time. And, and then Ethereum came on my radar a few months later and I was just, I mean, trading it. Cause I was, I was coming from trading, uh, stocks in traditional finance two years prior. And so I don't know, crypto was like an extension of that to me. It was like, Oh, you can trade this asset. It's extremely volatile and mm-hmm. you can potentially make some money on it. Mm-hmm. So just making that moolah brought you yeah. into the scene. That's a lot of people, though. I found that that's a lot of people. I think that that's 99%. If, if you take 100 people that are, quote unquote, in crypto, 99 of them got in because they saw an opportunity, a financial gain. And 1% of them got in because they're like, oh, this is cool, neat stuff. But then what ends up happening is that of that 99 people, like maybe 10 more of them are like, oh, this is neat stuff. And I can understand it. Let me try to get more involved. Right. And so every single one of those cycles where you have those percentages, what is that roughly 11% of people, 11, 11 out of 100 people that get into crypto and stay there. Well, that's kind of a good rate. These are just these aren't no I'm not I haven't done any research, obviously. This is just me trying to spitball off of my own anecdotal experience of how many people actually care about crypto after they learn about it and get involved with it. So I don't know. I think that's a safe bet. I think I, I remember when broke joined. Well, so I remember when, at least I remember the first time I saw broke talking in the channels, we didn't have a price talk channel yet, Yep. but I remember Jesse was talking about, Ooh, wait a second. I think I found something, the cycle. It was like, I, I don't know if it was difficulty based or because you didn't say what it was, but it was like some weeks. He said, oh, wait a second. I think I figured it out. And I thought, OK, this this is going to be cool. And because you were doing this analysis of price mm. and external factors of price. And it's like, OK, well, let's see if I don't think you ever posted it. But I remember your engagement back then. And I don't know if we can see in slack when when we joined um we can i can look at i can look at admin stuff to see how people joined but there's no one else can yeah we can um so we can find out but yeah jesse's ability to i was like into trading and i traded it up and i never exited so it just all disappeared like Hmm. so i was like okay well i like crypto is still a thing and so like I just kept investing in crypto throughout the years, but trading, like it was you can't really tell if you're if you're successful in terms of you I guess you're not, right? Because if you don't exit, if you don't exit permanently, right? And you're just failing to trade bearish cycles, then you're gonna like, I mean, you obviously I think, fail. I think successful traders are the ones that don't feel like shit after fees and taxes. There we go. That's how I'm, that's how I'm going to define a well, it's, it's, trader. Trading crypto can be just like trading anything else. You have your uh, specific technical outs, your exits, your goals, your risk management. I mean, it's really, except for the volatility and the the fact that, for example, Every other stock and every other commodity only has a single source of order book. Like it's on the stock, New York Stock Exchange and it's nowhere else. But crypto, you've got a hundred different exchanges. So that's a major difference. There's no closing and, day. 
<laughs> and, and and the second one is no no closing. But I mean, you can definitely trade, and you have your profits, and then you basically every every trade is starting a new one instead of what it sounded like you said is that you kept trading it up. It sounds like you didn't sell. Uh, yeah. I mean, so that's, that's the problem. That, like I trading, denominated right? everything in Satoshi's and in, in a Satoshi quantity, I was always increasing my stack. But mm-hmm. the problem is once the dollar to Satoshi value sunk back down, right from 20 K all the way down to whatever I exited the market at a lower uh, dollar to Bitcoin like cost than I initially invested in. So it was like, let's say I put 20 K in, right? Yeah. So, so I was like, wow, I, I fucked up, you know? <laughs> so you said, did you, did you come to the Slack with the price metrics mostly in your mind or was it also, you know, just general, like the community that you've grown and become a part of now, or was it, see, to me, it was price first and then it became something a lot more. Yeah, for me, it was price as well. And then I was just hanging out on the Slack and I just didn't care about price or crypto after a while. And then like I got back in, into crypto, but like with the mentality that like the way I trade is not going to be like as degenerate as I did before. That makes any sense? Because I, I, I threw money at like the super shit coins. Like, you know, we all joke in the Slack, like, you know, Ken's like, we're all searching for like funny has a finance shit coins. Bag. Yo, I had the biggest bag. bag of Tron. Like I had 40K worth of Tron. Despite, <laughs> like, despite us, and I, despite mainly me being like, it's garbage. You need to sell it. <laughs> it was hot garbage. Like I, I was just like, I was at a point where I, I traded to so much money that that didn't matter to me, that bag. And... I just kept it as a meme between me and Joe, just because it was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think I remember that conversation. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's for the laws at this point. And that's yeah, exactly. Like, it, it feels like funny money because it, it doesn't, until it makes significant impact in your life, you then realize, or, or like where you lost the potential impact in your life, yeah. it doesn't feel real. Crypto is real. When when I showed my brother I could buy a pair of Jordans with it, he was like, oh, Oh, this is a real thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. This is real value. Um, and it's it needs to cross the Jordan threshold for many different cultures and many different people. It's just not quite, not quite there yet. My well, wife. And financial money is just the first killer app of crypto. That's true. There's so many more value after that. that but the one that the one that paves the road. So that with the double spend problem and the other things that just come with money being the kill, the first killer app, it just, mm-hmm. you know, at, once that gets proven at scale in an adversarial environment with a lot behind it, then everything else comes. You could be, you know, voting and uh, deeds and achievements and education and certifications and, you know, uh, software licenses. So yeah, software license. There's so many things that come up, but those aren't sexy enough or important enough to have the effort to stop the double spend part. And then, but money is. Mm. I would say that. Um, sorry for my phone going off, audience. I would say that we're very, very far away from any other applications. And I also think that we're going to reach this max capacity where humanity can just 
keep having the same conversation about reinventing money and we sidestep that and we go start to try and reinvent other things and then we come back to money right i i think that like you know, because the same way we've sounded for six years now is the same way somebody in the turn of the uh, the decade of the 80s into the 90s was like, yeah, you can do your banking on the Internet. You're going to talk to your grandparents on video calls. You're going to uh, you're going to pay your bills on the Internet. You're going to go to court on the Internet. Everything's going to be on the Internet. And somebody's like, dude, you are insane, bro. Check your mail. That's how everybody does everything. Right. <laughs> like, and so short the post office. You know, yeah, sure. With the post so, so what what's happened from your perspective as over the last six years and why you got into crypto and obviously as hosts and founders, you have you have gained access to a tremendous number of influencers and authors and all sorts of different people. How has your journey changed over that six years in terms of who what you're person. what you're in it for i i have my suspicions based on what you say in the slack Ooh, but this, how would you clarify it this would be fun this would be fun like I'll, I'll say my standpoints and then you see if it aligns um okay so when i first started this i was kind of um bought into the same reasons Jesse was bought in, but from a more than, Oh, I could just trade this and make money. I can actually participate in this network. I can mine and make money. And that was when, you know, Corey first, he showed me how to mine Litecoin. And then I was taking the Litecoin and trying to trade that into Bitcoin. Like everybody Cripsy. tried to do using Cripsy. Holy That's cow. Sketchy. That's sketchy. Did I get sketchy my exchange. money? Ooh, I got my money off of there real fast. The first time I pushed send and it like the screen locked and I was like, Hmm, huh, I'm getting my money off of this. Like, I was like, I'm getting my money off of this immediately. Um, so, and I had that same experience with Bittrex and Poloniex. Like, for a while, operating in this space was like a, mm, crossing my fingers that this money actually gets where it's supposed to go. Um, but I wanted to contribute to the network because I, I did think, and at that time, and I still do think that there's just a lot of broken systems, broad, broken financial systems that are designed to keep a small pocket of people very, very wealthy and everyone else thinking that they can get into that small pocket of people. Right. Um, and over the years of like of doing the show and interviewing lots of people and it's starting from us just interviewing uh, very different people from very different walks of life it slowly turned into the same type of people from the same walk of life. And I'm starting to see that in six years time, um, the ideals that Bitcoin started with are, are fun ideals, but it's the odds of them working are very, very slim because it's not necessarily a system that we're trying to change. We're trying to change human behavior. And that takes, raw necessity right that takes like an event like a pandemic to change people's behavior where in my my municipality we haven't had a mask mandate in a month and a half but still every store i go to everyone's wearing masks right the behavior has now been changed and i don't think crypto is working hard enough to change anyone's behaviors it's not. It's more so working really, really, really hard to have uh, the same system, but just newer and shinier. 
right? Like just a newer, shinier of the same system because it's still going to take people with extreme expertise to know how to do something. And then when those same people with extreme expertise know how to do something and break it, they're going to there's going to be a standard or a law or a group of people that create standards that influence laws that make sure crypto is being used and done in the right way. Right. This is going to be a, a rhyming of everything we've already created. And I know that, Corey, you like to say that now people have the option, uh, but they're not going to be a lot of people that exercise it. There's there's just not going to be. Um, and so in like the past six years of doing the show from interviewing like artists and porn stars and rappers and business owners and business creators and investors and over-the-counter operators, um, I would just say that we're taking the same systems that have existed, uh, financial systems and products, and just making them shinier and newer, maybe a little bit faster, maybe. I don't know. I hope that wasn't the answer. <laughs> six, there's a whole six people watching live now, like, damn. What what happened? But I mean, it just it just feels that way. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully, I'm wrong. So you are. It, it's not the only story. It's not the only story. That's the yeah. thing, right? Is that like I'll give you my perspective of what's changed over the six years you've been doing this or so. Like from the from a podcast, like how the podcast has specifically changed things. Uh, it wasn't until. I don't even know what episode or how long we were into this before we opened up the Slack to the public. So we, we, were, we were like actively communicating mm-hmm. with our listeners and our audience and for the for good portion, like a couple couple years, I'd say, if not at, at least half. I don't know when I opened this. We can find out. I'd have to look. You talk. Yeah. I'm a look. Go to the go to the admin account and um, see when we started the Slack. If it has that information. But, and then for a while, the Slack was just private because we were doing everything in a Facebook chat group, everything, like scheduling, you name it, right? Including like random chats between D and Cello about Marvel karmic characters and things like that. So it was, it was rough. But like, as we kept getting together and trying to make content and releasing it and interviewing people, um... It was easy in the early days because the who was involved across the ecosystem and the reasons they were involved was like just a few things. It was people who were interested in making money, but like who happened to understand how the tech works and were and had at least an overlapping set of ideals that thought that it was that was valuable. Uh, like it was going, it was it was going to succeed and keep continue to spread and continue to grow. At that point, uh, and then there was people who were like interested in like the tech, and then you had like hardcore like ideologues, um, people who are in it to like damn the man or skirt the system or or like try a new paradigm of money. And then over this course, whole course, we learned about what money was, things like that. And as it grew and as we kept interviewing different people, it it seemed as though like 
the, the, the amount of people who are coming every every bull run you'd get a bunch of people who came in and stay and then every time there's a new capability that opened up that gave people a different way to make businesses and make money um, like the ICO boom you saw people like you saw a lot more people coming in with the sole purpose of making money they don't really care about anything else but they said the same words there it became to the point where like you can't keep track of everything um, it's easy to get started and most people are trying to take advantage of a hype cycle using the same verbiage that the ideologues had in the past without really understanding what it meant or giving a shit that's huge that, that became really old really fast um, it allowed us to make money as a podcast but it was it was like through like the announcements like we sold announcements for people that basically just ask them a standard set of questions and then give them a chance to say it out loud and then we publish that. Um, and then I would shit on them in the regular show. <laughs> but like, and that really, that, that's going to keep getting worse, right? Because, because it's such an inclusive technology, like by, by, by definition, its goal is to be, is to, is to distribute power in, in as many ways as it can and remove the ability for humans to manipulate others in a, in a like overwhelmingly asymmetric way, Right. It tries to distribute the ability for humans to control a large system that that gives people value and ability. And if you if you make something like that, and it's also difficult in terms of technology, which is the only reason I'm in for it. Like I like the technology. Well, it's not the only reason. Then you're gonna and, and people make money and like think they can make a lot of money fast, especially on like taking advantage of that ignorance. You just see a bunch of that stuff. And if, if that's all you look for, that's all you're going to see. And so over time, as that started to happen, um, and we had opened up the Bitcoin podcast Slack to the community, and those who were listening to us came and joined that and started participating and talking, it became very clear that like the value in all of this, uh, I mean, outside of me having access to people to ask questions or me um, being able to leverage the like, I don't want to say authority, but like domain expertise of talking to these people and the, and the information that I learn. Outside of that, like the main real value was the community in a lot of ways. And like the people who are coming and hanging out and contributing and talking about the things. And, and because we were authentic, like you said, or tried to be, or like we did what we, we only did what we cared about and nothing else really. The people who came and joined and hung out were the were people like us who were who were like who appreciated that they enjoyed that and they wanted to contribute. Or if they Which didn't, they, they did. left. Yeah, if they didn't, we, we they they left because it wasn't right for them because they're like, why aren't you talking about this? Because we don't fucking care. Go go somewhere else. It's not it's not a big deal. Like we're not here to make money and sell a podcast. That it's, we want to make enough to like make it worth our time because it's a lot of time. And find, ideally, in the future, we'll find ways to distribute that value back to the community because now they're a good portion of where that content comes from. Mm-hmm. And now, like we have this, like in a, in a in a sea of ridiculousness and like ex- exponentially expanding information, and on top of like innovation, on top of scams, on top of like all the things that you could keep track of, and how impossible it is to do so. We've somehow built a community of people that like helps us do it in a way yeah. that's not absurdly boring, and that's that's become like the motivation behind all this. It's just, Can I amend? Yeah. Can I amend my answer? 
Yeah. What's up? Oh, I thought you said, can I amen? No. Well, that too. Amen. But like exactly what Corey said is that like from the start of the podcast, it was about me getting out my opinions and obsession with a thing to now it's like, can I continue to grow and create a community that has like value, right? Not only can people come to this community and add value to the community, but the community can add value to like, it's just this cycle. Like, and that's what we built is like, there's so many participants in the Slack, like at least two, three dozen of you guys. And you, you allow us to create a signal in the noise of crypto. Like yesterday I got hit up about what the hell Abra token, Zabra token or something on Twitter. And like, it's to the point now where I'm kind of like responding how you all in the community would respond in order to sift through the BS that is crypto. You know, it's, you know, just to, that's kind of like how my perspective has changed. The podcast is a lot less about my obsessions and a lot more about the community of people. Well, so. it's like, it's not that, like we still steer things. Like the podcast is still typically about what we care about. True. The information that gets presented to us, like the curated source is a bunch of people who are, who are a good portion like us. Like they, they at least like are like us enough to like, listen to us and join that got here. And so like, but I'm still talking about tech and like social aspects of crypto and, and like the, the power distribution with, with networks and, and trying to educate people on some of the basic stuff. Like most of my focus is still on tech and then like social implications of the tech and what type of change we might see later on down the line mm -hmm. and how, early we still are like there's still so much stuff to be done that like adoption like what we used to scream was the only thing that matters is now like well a specific kind of adoption is the only thing that matters <laughs> because, <laughs> i mean it's not like the adoption that we're seeing today is scary and more along the lines of what you're talking about d when you say like we're just making worse middlemen Bro, somebody said, we are the Doge killers. We're the Doge and Shiba killers. We're the one true meme coin because we burn our fees. And they were pitching this to me with, I could only assume as a straight face. They I was, don't, I don't get those. They, I think they know better. Anyways. <laughs> but, you know, well, yeah, I, I remember, so I, I think there's a, there's an adoption curve for lack of better term of, certain people when they get into crypto. So I, I remember being in the Slack and I, I would I would listen to the announcements, right? And I would listen to all of those and I would listen to Corey's questions. And and I, I kind of realized that, that Corey and his adoption curve had moved to, you know what, I'm not really going to care about every little thing that comes around, every ICO, every whatever. But I was still in the mode of, I want to know about everyone that comes in. Do I get in? How do I get in? Is it worth it? Is it a scam? Do I get in early? It's it's not about finding a greater fool necessarily, but it's also about, you know, if I could have invested in TCP IP. Alpha. I want that alpha. And, you know, in 1990, uh, I, I would have, but you, there was no such thing as a TCP IP ticker or, you know, those kinds of things. And so I was still intent on trying to consume as much information about things that I could make money on. And I could tell when I would ask questions, Corey was like, yeah, I just, I don't have time to look at that anymore. He had moved on in his adoption curve mm -hmm. to something else that was more important. 
right? We could could be consensus. Well, it could be more important you know, to the me. status messenger. Of course, more important to you. And and I never got the feeling that you were you were telling others that's not important. You were saying I don't care. And yeah, you moved at on. some point, I made I made some conscious decision to like focus on the things I care about and don't try and understand everything like I used to. I used to like, I used to want to know every single thing that happened. So I had a full grasp. And then I got to the point where like I, I made and some of the earlier episodes, you may remember, like I made the analogy of like the growth of a web developer over the course of the years and mm-hmm. how as that technology became more broad and pervasive the concept of being a web developer changed and so like that that oh, term sure. no, no longer has any meaning you have a right because you could be a react guy team. yeah exactly and so and, and the tools the you, tools you wizard make it easier there's too much stuff to know you can't know everything mm-hmm. as an individual and and i knew that bitcoin was going in the same way or blockchain right yeah. even even in bitcoin you can't know everything you still have to specialize somewhere if you just stick to even a single network in the entire ecosystem you still can't know everything. And so what I decided was that I like well, I'm going to focus on the things I care about and make contributions there and then try and grow a network of people that care about the same and other things that I think are like ethical people mm-hmm. that I would get along with. And then I'll learn from them too because like that, that's the best you can do. And and so like what's nice is that like the the, the 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 community is bigger than the show. The show is just like the source of generating content and attracting people to the community, and then like that's where the real value is. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's it, the community is way bigger than the show, and it always will be at this point. What's because, unique is you can actually see that Corey in those graphs that Alicia put up uh, in the patron channel. You can see how it started all private chats and DMs, and now it's like eighty percent public chat and the 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 dm chat looks like it's going down and the private chat looks like it's going down as well so that's a really neat graph to say that we're actually doing what we say we're gonna do so that's that's comforting that's very comforting um you know so it's been a journey, man. Six years. I've let me tell you just personally how when you like start a project. So when I turned 30 I said to myself, okay, I'm 30 now. Don't know when that happened, but it did. I know from the ages of 30 to 40, I'm going to focus on making projects with my friends. Maybe if I were like a more sane human, I would have been like, I don't know, make a family, but that wasn't me. I said, I'm going I'm to make projects. With it's just friends. a project with a really, really good specific friend. Absolutely. So I had all, <laughs> so I had all kinds of projects going oh, on. And Corey just happened to be so Corey, before I even started the Bitcoin podcast, I was on a, I produced a podcast called Better Humanology for a friend of mine that has an amazing fitness business into three fitness random shout out there. Um, but he has an amazing, uh, amazing fitness business that only focuses on garage gym and home workouts. So anyways, I was on I was producing this podcast called Better Humanology and like cutting their video and doing their audio. And then right after I like literally a month after that, I was like, this is easy to do. I'm just gonna do my own thing. Talk about something I want to do. And then the Bitcoin podcast sparked up and uh, I eventually didn't work on that podcast anymore. Uh, But that was with a group of my friends from college, roommates even. Um, 
same as Corey. And I was like, and then I've, you know, I've always tried to do projects with my friends about whole thirties. This is the only one with staying power. I don't know. Like my other friends are like, Oh, I got kids and I I'll tell you why. bills. I'll tell you why it's there. It's because <laughs> we, we didn't try and like turn it into a job. That's true. We did a couple times and it didn't work. We're like, all right, let's go back to, let's go back to the basics and just fuck mm-hmm. around. Anytime I try to turn into a job, Wayne, behind the scenes, I'm like, I can't be a 24 seven dickhead. I'm a dickhead <laughs> at work. I can't be, a, I can't, I can't do that all day. Like that's just not going to work, you know? And so we just kind of kept it fun. And that's why the other ones you're right. did turn into like, I was in a about, sauna I mean, groups. Well, let's talk about this, right? Like this is a, this is a good case study. Um, and y'all were a part of almost all of them. Like at some point we decided like, you know what? Like we're only talking about a few things and there's so much else going on in the ecosystem. Let's make a network of shows. There's a bunch of people in the community who would make great shows. They've, they've expressed interest. Let's give them an opportunity. So we just like, we'll become like an incubator of shows. And it started with, I think Mackie when he left and made block channel and asked us to be a part of it. We're like, all right, cool. We have your channel. We'll put it on our show and then whatever started making more shows that were of different flavor of content. And then we came to like this, this like, or how many shows do we have? Like th- uh, Alicia put it in the, in the, I got it. Here. I'll read them out. Yeah. Like, read all the shows that we ever had. On wrapping with D announcements, blockchain, future block channel blocked by design crypto till infinity dose of ether hashing it out. What the headers just headers. <laughs> the bullpen podcast law and blockchain. Um, wasn't there buy or sell? What the hell? You forgot yeah, buy or sell. What the hell's also in there. What yeah. the hell? Um, holy cow! Do we get producer credits on all that? Look at us! Look at us! Look at us! No, um, that's a lot of shows, right? And I think um, Ken Bozak also had a show that Ken I don't know. Had, had a Bitcoin shot. He just turned yeah. it into his own. He turned like, it into not his another own Bitcoin. Thing. Not another mm-hmm. Bitcoin podcast, what's it called? Like, but like, but my point of bringing that up is like, we made a bunch of shows and tried to enable people to make their own shows and, and do what we did because we found so much value in it. And almost invariably, excluding a few, a few, uh, maybe a few of those. You're being nice. You're being nice. Go ahead. They, going, they fell off because people like... The, the like initial honeymoon anticipation phase of like I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a podcaster I'm gonna make shows then they realize how much work it is especially when they try and produce the living hell out of them they mm-hmm. they run into a few yeah. things one they're like this is too hard I don't want to do it it's taking a lot of my time and I'm not getting the immediate like Return. returns that I was expecting even though we were like boosting them to levels of of, of listenership that like took years to get on day one yeah. They're not, they weren't like the drive of they spent all the time making the content and none of the time either like getting the rewards they wanted. So they expected sponsorships to just materialize without working for them or uh, they expected someone else to do the production, like all of the all of the grunt work. They're just like, oh, you don't do that. And they expect they expected all these yeah. things and then it just fell off or they just got bored or they were successful in an event that like. Some of them were like, uh, were like, hey, uh, I got a job offer from, mm-hmm. from doing the podcast. I'm going to go do that. And I'm not going to do the podcast anymore. Mm-hmm. Because they got the notoriety they were looking for, which gave them the clout to get a job, which they then oh. just like wholesale left, left, left the podcast. Yeah. What's his name? 
the dude, the the guy who did like an NPR style show, and then quit, and yeah, then told us he quit because he found out we were taking money for announcements episodes, and he was like, "Well, I didn't like being aligned with you guys because you take money for podcasting." We were like, "Okay." <laughs> we're like all right well and then i know you had other people <laughs> yeah. you had other people like me who wanted to do a podcast but let perfection be the enemy they are good it's like i can't even do the first one because that's i wanted it so perfect not, more often not that's the case yeah they're like it's, it's not like, ready yet yeah. I, don't, I, I don't i can't it's not perfect they're like who gives yeah. a shit it's gonna it's suck and i think that's perfect. one of those things that like you just have to be okay with sucking yeah hmm. And just keep doing it. Like if you're not doing something because you enjoy it, what are you saying, Jesse? No, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Uh, see, one one of the things like I enjoy doing the podcast with D is primarily because D is who he is. He's just entertaining to just you know talk to, whether it's talking about bro. fucking dumb headlines, or. <laughs> uh or like even just trying to learn the code like he still makes it entertaining in the way that he doesn't understand things and then we try and you know explain it in mm. in ways that we both understand it so so jesse jesse says do what you hate with someone you love that's there it is yeah. <laughs> i got into this 100 because of the money and then i stayed 100 percent because the bull market was like like when you're beginning and you're in crypto you you think like wow, like there's so much money to be made. But like during the bear cycle, it it really like solidifies your interest in, in crypto as a whole when you look at things beyond the money aspect, right? It's mm-hmm. like, for me, it's just like chilling in the community, posting memes, shit posting crypto shit for like, what is it? Like two years, more than two years for that yeah. last bear cycle. And like, it's just, it's fun, you know? When you get so much more out of it, than just the financial yeah. aspect. By spending a couple years with crypto, you have a better discerning eye towards projects. You understand how money works. You mm-hmm. now look at the terms of conditions of something that you sign. You realize there's incentives in everything. There's nothing free. There's so many life lessons you learn mm-hmm. from digging into crypto, and it's not just about the money. Yeah, that's very true. That, that made me change my career, seeing the numbers balloon up, and I was like, wow this is, I'm not going to work for money. Like in the, in the way that I thought <laughs> right. I was going to work for money, like right. converting your effort, to, converting your time to money is one way of making money. Mm-hmm. Right. And then as you work with crypto, you realize there's so much more that you could do for your time to money conversion. And there's, you know, passive income. There, there's other things you can do for money. And then you realize what am I spending my time on like, that I love to do? I think yeah. you, know, you were uh, the the last interview you guys uh, with the two guys, right? Henry the one that you published, and you asked, "Do you enjoy what you do?" And they said, "No, I hate it." That yeah. was a shocker to me. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was a huge shocker to me. But uh, well, it, all, you, it, it, it requires them. It requires them to be honest as well. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to be honest with that question, especially with coworkers listening. Mm-hmm. That's. But I um, think. I think that's one of the main reasons why I like this technology so much is because most people on the planet will answer that question. If they answer it honestly, they'll, they'll answer it. No, I hate what I do. It's required to right. to live and because I, I think it's too difficult to make money doing the things you care about doing in a manner that's like commensurate to your contribution. Yeah. What, what do I mean by that? Right. Like if I contribute a little as I learn about a given community because I'm interested in it, then maybe I can get a little back. 
and the more valuable I become in my contributions to a given community, the more value I get back. Right. Mm-hmm. If that, if that like step function of how much you need to contribute to get that much in, in value back gets a little smoother in terms of like how like, there's a lot of different ways to contribute, whether it be a small or large. And you can make, you can either like go fully into a single community and make your whole living contributing to it, or like contribute a little bit to a bunch of communities that you're interested in and make enough to get what you need. Like it, because we don't have the technology to facilitate that type of payment schedule for your, for contribution doesn't, doesn't work in traditional finance. That's why we have monthly salaries or monthly or biweekly paychecks. Like the paying system is based on the inefficiencies of the rails, not because mm-hmm. of it's convenient or like it's the best way to work. Nine to fives are, are, are a similar situation because you had to show up in a specific place and be in a physical location. And I think as we make this technology and the digital world becomes more part of our lives, we make it, we make more opportunities for people to contribute to the things they care about and get paid the, 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 like an equal amount relative to that to that contribution and then they get to learn how to be good contributors to communities and the things that they yeah. care about and potentially pay for their pay for all their bills and their food and their families yeah. as opposed the, to right now like I most people's answer is I work a shitty job that I hate because I went to school to get a skill set that I d- didn't know I wanted or I didn't want I thought I did and to a point where like I make a paycheck and I can't leave it and mm-hmm. it makes it gives me enough to afford me a little bit of time to work on things that I'm interested in or care about. But at no point can I get to the like, yeah. I, it's going to be a very high risk situation for me to say, you know what? I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to quit my job and the comfort it gives me to pursue something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I don't want that to be a high risk situation. I think this technology allows us to like a for smooth transitions as people grow in their lives. And that's a big thing for me. Like, that's that's what I've learned. That's what I've come to in terms of what I'm passionate about over the years of doing this is I want that world to exist. And I think this technology is a facilitator of it. I and I want to try is. and make that happen. I think it is a thousand percent. What do you mean by it smooths the transition? Uh, it smooths the transition because like um, if you're able – okay, let's say for instance like uh, uh, like the hobby, like today's hobbyist, right? And what Patreon did for today's hobbyist. And that's mm-hmm. a traditional technology doesn't matter. But like what it what it did is it allowed people to create content for communities and get paid by the by the people who are consuming it. And the amount that they were getting paid was relative to like the quality of their content via like the number of subscribers they have. And if they made really good content, they got better subscribers, they made more money to the point where like at some point they will say, like, I don't need to work anywhere else. I can just make content because my subscriber count. If I if I do it a certain way, or a, 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 if I get to a specific mm-hmm. level, I can just do this, and it's 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 paved the way for like the the content community or the creator community to like pursue passion mm-hmm. in a way that's never that's never been done before. It's I see a crazy ass future where all of these things that we're being exposed to are painting 
uh, a picture of people having the freedom and autonomy to work exactly when or how they want to, depending upon skill sets that they could prove. Right. Like I imagine a world where, you know, there's a, there's somewhere right now in a factory somewhere, there's a person sitting down looking at bags of stuff or sitting down looking at boxes of stuff and they're moving them whenever they don't match certain sets of parameters. Right. Or robots are doing that. But imagine a world in which you could put on like a, a, a pair of goggles and you could be 15 robots at once doing that. But you only see one screen. Your user interface shows one screen that's real time or whatever's going on at whatever factory and whatever area of the planet. But when you move one box, right, you might be triggering a bunch of robots to do the same thing, like a force multiplier. Like you can't stream payments like that on the current financial network but if somebody could whenever they wanted to just be uh, the uber of you know production work warehouse work you put on a pair of goggles and you're virtually in these warehouses doing these things and then you take off the goggles and you're not working anymore and then with like an hour after you're done putting the goggles down your quote-unquote credits or whatever currency is just streamed into your wallet you can't have systems that robust and that automated on the current financial systems. And I think crypto's starting going to be the glue that that binds this crazy ass automated world that we don't have any choice but to move to. Um, and, you know, do I know exactly what it looks like? No. Do I know it's going to happen? Obviously. Right. I, I, I currently am in a position where I get insight into how a lot of insight into the, how businesses work and I'm trying to hire people and they don't want to work because like the wages aren't where they need them to be. I can't pay them those wages. What I can do is buy a bunch of machinery that can do what I need them to do one time and then I'll pay my maintenance fees. It'll be a little bit better than paying benefits and all these other things every single year. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're moving towards that inevitability and, and crypto is kind of like the glue of that automation. So, all right, I done, I just got triggered by something you said, Corey, and I wanted to hop on a soapbox for a second. Yeah. Did, did I answer your smoother transition question, Jesse? Was that was that enough, or do you want more? I guess it's not going to work for everybody, right? And so, like my Mm-mm. my thoughts are that crypto is really like for 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 what I see, it's really like uh, it's a new technology, and the people who are hipster enough to participate in it are going to be rewarded with lots and lots of money. Um, and then everybody who lags behind, uh, they're just going to be subjugated to, you know, uh, whatever new systems come of this. Aren't all technologies like that? Yeah. Power grid, the the cars, the internet buildings. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is different in the sense that it changed money. Uh, in my opinion, it made it, it generalized money and made it closer to value, like general, like general value. And then we attach different contexts to what that value means. And we also have a way to like exchange it, automate the exchange of it, prove ownership of it, things like that, which like, isn't comfortable for people to like, if you think about, uh, Alicia, you keep writing in the private chat. I just want to enter and join the conversation. Maybe so. 
And so Jesse, when you say um, that that might not work for everybody, I don't think anybody's saying that it would work for everybody. For example, you need service staff, you need hospitality, you need doctors, you need things where the the example of a Patreon, like a Mark Rober, is that his name? The guy that's on YouTube, he just does really cool stuff. He spends two Mm -hmm. to three months making this amazing 20 minutes a year. Yeah. And, and he's a million, he makes millions of dollars because of, of that. So someone from that all the way down to the tarot card reader who has a Patreon and -hmm. still has 300 subscribers, there's no way that kind of thing could work in the environment where we had three broadcast TV stations with commercials. Right. I guess. So let me, my question to you is, uh, do you think that'll last for 30 years enough to make money for them to retire on that? Or do you think that they're going to be, you know, that tarot card reader? Cause they're going to be Mark Robers, but then the vast majority of people are not going to be able to hold an audience for 30 years in order to accumulate enough money to retire. I think on, right? Focusing too much on content creation. Yeah. I, I think I was, there's enough talking about there's enough peer to peer value. Mm-hmm that can be enabled through a crypto-like platform that will allow people to supplant typical jobs to get the things that they want out of life. It's maybe closer to like the gig economy Uh, that I'm trying to like use as an analogy. But like what's important to realize is that you need to get skills. You have to spend time doing something and learning how you do something and failing and getting better and submitting it to people who want work done or mm-hmm. like better people who understand to get to the point where you have a skill set that's that, that's worth something that's valuable to other people. And, Experience and problem, gives a pay raise. My problem is that right now, the most of the time, getting to the point where you're a marketable human being based on skills you've earned the process of getting to those skills either means that like you're going to like take a, a tremendous debt onto your life in order to get to the point where you can even start making money in, in a myriad of ways. They could, you can look at that debt in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And this technology enables people to like start doing something and getting skills that they need and the things that they want to be good at in a way that like maybe gets them a little bit of money yeah, or like, it, it, it creates a, a community of people where contribution is paid for and appreciated. Hopefully, like the curation of that content is better, is more meaningful. And it gives people a better path to like learn how to do what's quote unquote good for any given community, whether that be like contributing code to a, a code source, creating content on a Patreon, uh, curating content for that matter. Like you can learn a lot just by can I, saying I think this content is valuable is valuable to me and boosting it somehow. Can I qualify that though, Corey? I think this industry is paving the way to show you how to build skills in a digital environment. Uh, that's because, well, it's a, initially, yes, because that's it's, it's of course going to be it's going to impact the, the the people who are building the technology first because they're the ones that understand it and are willing to make that jump and try to do it that way, like. Mm-hmm. Up until like the usability and like fame of crypto was up at, at the threshold where like regular people were asking about it and trying to use it, why would they try to use crypto if they don't even know it exists? 
to do something to start contributing into a community. Like it has to get to a certain level of legitimacy and in ease of use before the people who aren't building the actual technology can start to like reasonably use it in their everyday lives. Like that's why like, we're starting to see designers and uh, the, the the tremendous amount of other valuable skill sets that are out there besides coding start to enter the ecosystem and work for companies and find jobs because we need those people and businesses are realizing that coders are terrible at doing those things. And so like they're learning more about it. That gets better. So like the businesses now who are getting larger, who are contributing to these things that are making the ecosystem are now thinking about how the stuff works and understanding it. Eventually like regular ass people are going to do it because it's gotten big enough. Alicia, go ahead. Pass Um, the mic. I I wanted to speak on what Jesse was saying about the systems and how people are being left behind. Uh, Society biases are always built in any type of system and a little bit is in in, uh, the crypto space in the sense that there has to be a certain level of privilege. Like you have to have an internet connection, electricity, stability, Mm -hmm. and the ability to make that leap into the system to build, you have to come from a certain certain set of security already built off of the old system into this new system. I think the difference long-term versus other systems is all the other things that are happening in society. Like if you go to YouTube right now, I've done it several times and I'm sure other people have done it. Like I had to fix a plumbing problem, but because of the content creation of YouTube, even without cryptocurrency, but the information distribution, I can be able to learn how to do this simple task by watching these videos instead of hiring a plumber or uh, fixing this or doing that or learning things. There's so many people learning how to do things like me learning how to do the silly video I did. I had to watch so many videos to learn how to do it and learn it from different types of people and learning the same information in different ways to understand what it is I needed to do. And I think because of that, now that we have this monetary system and the same, the, the information distribution thing, it has more decades ahead of the monetary system is allowed to come in to where people that would have been behind in previous systems to be able to gain that money now can jump in and not be so far behind. They can actually leap ahead or be equal because they have that information skill set that they can access to. And it's just a matter of what Corey and Dee are saying. It's just a matter of time for people to be aware of it and connect. Mm-hmm. There's also a leapfrog. There's a leapfrog, for example, in a lot of third world countries where they didn't have internet, but they have a cell phone. Yeah, have a cell phone. They they bypass landlines. They bypass traditional banking and they go straight from no phones, no bank account to, well, they've got a cheap cell phone. And they have a crypto wallets. Mm-hmm. So, well, even so before that, the, with, uh, in Pesa, it was about minutes. Minutes yeah. even here in this, trading in this country, training minutes. So that they created that monetary system on their own because there was a need for it. Yeah. And then crypto came along and they were people were able to latch onto that. And there's now a, a more of a global value, which versus uh, the minute system might be contained within the ecosystem of those very countries that participate in, pay, in PESA. Now they actually have a way to bypass like uh, IMF uh, trade barriers, the USD dollar, you know, those kind of sanctions that kind of remittance fees, remittance fees, those kind of strangulations that are on these post-colonial countries 
they can bypass that and, and gain value for themselves internally, individually, for their community, but as well as for their country and be able to participate on a different level. And I think that is also a very valuable thing. Um, those countries also are bypassing like power grids. They're going to solar. They're going smaller. They're not going to have these big, huge, large infrastructure. infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. It's going to so be smaller and it's going to be more community based to where people are now like we're dismantling parts of highway systems to add green and walkways and changing our cities no longer to being car based. Well, these countries didn't have cars for the longest time. They're not going to be car based because cars are going out. They're going to be back to almost a pedestrian, bike, electrical, uh, a centralized transportation system. It's going to be very a very different way of, 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 of building wealth and, uh, and freedom, if you will, of movement for those countries. Because they're leaping ahead, like you said, Wayne. And but, when you say like the society biases are built into the systems, when I see things like crypto and the way consensus is done, mm -hmm. I see another leapfrog in how humans compromise, whereas instead of being a specific border, specific set of laws, or even the way Congress or Parliament or different lawmaking uh, systems work, where the left starts moving things one way and oh, then after four separate years. Than that. Pat right? Patriarchy and uh, hierarchical structures where there's an elder and right. that person is an elder, you listen to the elder or for most societies are patriarchal because the person is the man in the household. You go by, even if they're wrong, their, their, their input, whether you're the younger person, wife or whatever your relationship is, you don't have that. There is that, there's not that hierarchy. Right. And then because of the consensus mechanism, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't add a feature unless everybody agrees to the feature. Mm -hmm. So there's, you really have to compromise. You have to say, okay, well, I want it to be blue. And the other person saying, I want it to be yellow. Well, it can be one or the other. And you have to figure out an actual way to compromise to move forward instead of, you know, the typical political spectrum where mm -hmm. I'm going to get what I want. And then I've got to give you you know, I've got to spend pork belly money or whatever so it's, it's called. It's certainly a technology that makes uh, what quote unquote good and bad is for a given community much more transparent. And yeah. like the, the effort it takes to contribute to that thing that gets through. Like, yeah. and, and also like where that power comes from, like who has the power to make those decisions? In some cases, like you look at these networks and, and the power structure although talks about being decentralized is, is, is very centralized. You look at Bitcoin and it's, it moves really slowly because it's very, very, very difficult to get everyone to agree on something. Yes. Which is, which is a feature, not a bug. Like it will continue to move that way. It'll be very hard to change unless you get everyone to agree on something. And so I think we're building a system that has operate. different biases. Well, like it, it gives you options on what your bias is going to be and making it transparent and malleable over time. Yep. I hope we answered your question, Jesse. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I think that, I think you guys mentioned something like uh, there's some sort of privilege involved uh, in terms of the people who are building these systems out. And so there's inherent biases in what's being built right now. Like uh, we're following we're following rules, programmatic rules made by 
developers and there is no there's no historical reflection there's no sociological uh study behind a lot of what is being developed right now it's just kind of like wham bam let's see if we can throw a token onto it and let's see let's see if it flies um, yeah. There's quite a bit of stuff. There's quite a bit of things that are that are actively looking into the concept of governance and how to make fair rules, and that's why you hear the words thrown around: game mechanics, or, or, or mm-hmm. game theory, mm-hmm. and, and mechanism design. Right? I I agree with you, Jesse, because I personally get frustrated with this space because people speak of remittances all the time. And that was that was the huge thing that Bitcoin that was, was supposed to provide, right? Banking thing. to the unbanked remittances yes. for low but fees. The, well, the thing that frustrated me was like, okay, there's people that have been talking about this for a very long time. There's organizations or development and nobody went to these organizations. Like uh, Coinbase is based in San Francisco, right? There's so many unbanked people there for, within the city, within Oakland and surrounding areas. Why didn't they group up with somebody out of the Berkeley or Stanford or any university in that area or institution mm-hmm. and said, Hey, we have this technology. We are based in the city. We're part of this community. We would like to utilize this technology to put an aspect of this community that we know exists and try to unbank people here first <laughs> before going global. There's, and it, it just didn't occur. There's I no think, money in unbanking. I think there's that's why helping people is always going to be a, uh, an afterthought. I yeah. think so. You it's always going to be an afterthought. Get mine first, serious. and that'll help some folks. But yeah, yeah this is what I yeah, said. That's, that's exactly it, Corey. That's yeah. that's the mentality of this space. It's like let me get mine, and then I'll consider helping everybody else. That's, that's why I, I came into this space because when it first started, it was very much about helping everybody. Mm-hmm. It was like this is supposed to be for all people. And that's that a lot. I, I tried to make a, a lot of finance here. bros came in and then marketing yeah, and came it, in it and just, then it just, yeah, I've tried yeah. to make a compromise here. Cause I'm not going to lie and say like, I didn't want to make money. Of course I want to make money. I'd like to like secure my, my family and wealth mm-hmm. and, and, and my ability to work on the things that I care about. And that's usually through, I got to pay my bills and I got to, I got to feed, mm-hmm. feed my family or help feed my family. And so what I, what I decided the the best course of action here is if I didn't want to throw away my ideals of like, I really want to help people is to try and find ways to help people or like to make money that also helps people. Yeah. Because like, if you assume everything's a zero sum game or like, I need to extract value from someone else so that I have it and they don't, then you're going to end up with systems that do that. And I think yeah. this technology allows you to at least experiment and play with ways of of, of like doing yeah doing more community good while also making money like you can you can do both i i think that you know my if anybody's listening to the show for any iota time they should know i'm a huge fan of bruce lee right um huge fan man literally changed my life after he's been dead all right so um humanity what is this thing be like water that's the phrase that everyone's most familiar with when it comes to bruce lee um the best systems we have are the ones that don't fight natural behaviors the ones that just kind of guide natural behaviors right when you're taking on a punch uh the reason why boxers make it look like they could take a crazy ass punch to the face is because they're actually moving their head at just the right amount so that the blow of that punch kind of just gets absorbed by the rest of their body right it just you go with it. You don't try to fight it because if you try to fight it, you're gonna be a uh, you know, uh, what are those things? Those crash test dummies from the '90s. 
right? They're called um, crash test dummies. Crash test dummies from the 90s. You go <laughs> you roll with the punches. That's where the phrase comes from. You mm-hmm. roll with it, right? Um, I think that like until the unbanked exhibits behaviors where the banks want to go in and roll with the blow that is going and servicing them, they'll never be serviced. And, and the question I always ask is, they're unbanked and they probably don't give a shit about being banked. And that's, that's probably, not true, D. Probably, they probably don't. If they did, if they, I, I'm just mm. saying like. That's not no. true, D, because that's, that's some, why th- there's Vimo, Zilla. There are people that are like that. But I think the overall majority of them would like to have access to things. Yeah, Square, all these like digital fiat based apps that are restricted to like a certain amount, like five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, these accounts. So many people have them because they can't actually get a real bank account. So they get paid through those type of systems. But what are and they, they would like for? Huh? What are they for? Uh, that's like a very basic thing to be able yeah, to, it's a basic thing to be able to pay things on the internet to be able to get paid period for certain tasks like if they're doing hair and the person doesn't have cash because cash is cumbersome now they can get paid digitally or doing stuff online or graphics or being part of the digital space but for a lot of these platforms like if you even with paypal because paypal is, can be very shitty to people sometimes uh you have to have a bank account and that is very cumbersome for a lot of people who are living to basically paycheck to paycheck where everything has to kind of go out because they really don't have enough money to meet that minimum bank account requirement. Okay. Or there's not have even like a like hyperinflation of currency, you have government yeah. manipulation, repatriating mm-hmm. people's money. You have a lot of different factors at play, right? In different yeah. countries. I've been that yeah, guy before. Yeah. In fact, I was living with this gentleman to my left, maybe y'all's right, when I had negative four digits in my bank account and had to go get my checks cash two days prior and pay back a crazy acts exorbitant fee to get yes. my check cash. I've been that person before, but guess what I did? I actively wanted to be banked and I put myself in a position to get there so that I could be banked again. But you, you were also in a position you, where you could do that. You yeah, could you're do in the, that. You're in but, America. There are other countries other than America. But even here in America, but, that you can try to do that. <laughs> Wait, he's like, what? But <laughs> you could try to do that, but you could still, like, you know, our, a lot of places, minimum wage is still seven twenty-five. A lot of the states haven't changed that. They have. To, they're working two, 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 three jobs to to make I a get living. It. I absolutely get it. And they still can't maintain a bank account because everything is going out and you have to have a minimum amount or you get deemed. Or there's this thing that banks are doing and I wish they would do something about this where the money is there, stuff is getting taken out because but there's like a five minute difference between when money comes in and money comes out and they ding you for overcharges or they deliberately delay it so they can get overcharges. You're not in control of that money. And in some some places around the world where access to banking is more difficult for for those or for the underprivileged, not only is it difficult, but once you get one, it's corrupt. It's extremely corrupt. And so like in some places around the world, in a lot of places around the world, you either have access or you don't have access. Or if you do, it's manipulated to a sense where like you're, it's oppressive anyway. Yeah. This gives people additional options to circumvent that Corruption. Oppression. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think there's no right or wrong here, which. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I, you don't want to give people this option of like. I mean, if 
if you have if you are in a privileged location, you should take advantage of that. You were able to dig yeah. yourself out of that because you were able because those opportunities were around you. Uh, yeah. I remember That's when true. you came when you you left you left college for a little bit, and came back when I saw you. I was like, what what the hell happened, man? How'd you do all this? You're like, you just looked at me. and Goes nobody wants to be a jabroni. Yeah, work my ass big off. Facts. Nobody wants to be a jabroni. It's like, nobody wants to be a jabroni. I worked my ass off to get here. But like a part of that, which I think a lot of people don't understand is you worked yourself, you worked your ass off in an environment that had opportunities. And even though you come from a historically oppressed group of people in America, you still have more opportunities than a lot of people in the rest of the world. Very true. I don't take it or lightly. Or even in this country. I don't take it lightly. I I understand that. I'm just saying, like, you go, you go, like, what is it all? Fucking uh, the dude from Jurassic Park, crazy dude, tall, skinny guy, Jeffrey Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. You know, nature finds a way. Like in West Africa, when they were like, man, we don't have banks, but we got all these cell phone minutes. Why don't we? Yeah, just, I mean, like, uh, I like technology that minutes. greases the rails a little bit for those people to get creative and yeah. find a way out. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I think we all agree on that. I definitely agree on that. And yeah, that's not true. It's not true to generalize and say that everyone that is unbanked wants to be unbanked. That was probably an incorrect statement. But I would say that an uncomfortable percentage of those that are unbanked probably want to be unbanked. And for some of us, the goal is to unbank the banked. There you go. That too. Yeah. Yeah. That has become more of my goal than... I mean, yes, I remember in 2016, 2017, one of the mantras that went around was, hey, remittances and hey, uh, bank the unbanked. And, it, and it's, you know, when you first hear about that and you first understand, look at all these problems, crypto can solve them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is exciting. And then you get more into it. And it's like, well, why would we infect all those people with banking? That's horrible. We need to remove the virus of banking for the people who have it now. Well, it's that, the same situation of like dis- like further distributing power. Yeah. Like, if you if you have a system, and we'll just take the monetary supply and the services that give access to it, which is like money and banking, as an example, you have a small group of people who control the supply and a small group of people who control access to it. And that's a tremendous amount of power in human hands. And a good portion of what crypto is trying to do, if you listen to the narrative of early Bitcoin, is to remove the power from those who have it and distribute it more equally mm-hmm. to everyone else. And so that, that that comes up as unbanking the banked and banking the unbanked. But like both extremes of those scenarios, like it's going to take a long time before banking infrastructure is gone or like, or adapts to this technology. And in some cases we're making it more powerful, but at the mm-hmm. same time, we're giving access to people who would like to have access and opportunities to like be creative and get out of the situation they're in by not being a jabroni or circumventing the oppression and, and, and suppression mm-hmm. that they have. We've done a, one thing I want to point out is, character true to form we've done a bad job of talking about six years of this show we haven't really looked back on anything we just did another started show out that way i don't know alicia uh, yeah. like we could go back to that like, like you've been here i don't know i feel like since day one in the community you were, you were, you were tweeting episode, us 
10 I found you guys. It was like the drunk episode. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great episode to find. Drunk episode? I yeah, dropped yes. like five or six of them. I dropped a lot of bombs. I had my yeah. own podcast. I was really into Dogecoin. <laughs> so I had a really? Dogecoin focus. Interesting. Podcast. Awesome. And I would talk back to then. Them back then, 2015. Ooh, um, be into Dogecoin is all I'm trying to say. Like, at least such the community wow. back then was super fun. They so, were yes, wow. it was super fun. <laughs> I was talking about, I talked about the crypto news, and then a lot of what I was saying was, I don't know about this. I was openly, I don't know, and I would make comments of how silly this is. <laughs> and one of the biggest things I was talking about was I compared the uh, the big fight between small block and big block to rappers. Like they were beefing in the streets and people were just like, just taking shots at each other. And you had to be very amused by it. And I was trying to be amusing. I was only with myself. I couldn't get anybody to join me to talk about this. And it was just, it was just me talking about it. And after a while, I think really what drained me was the, the big fight of the split and the BC in the mining. And it just got really toxic because I came into the, to the cryptocurrency space, more of a political, social, logical um, perspective. I mean, I heard about this in 2010 Bitcoin. And when I was hearing people talk about it, I was in this internet cafe uploading resumes because it was still an economic depression. <laughs> the crash mm-hmm. happened in 2008 and I was still looking for regular work. And I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me that there's this thing on the internet where you can send money and it's money and it's not created by the government and it's okay. I was like, you guys are going to get arrested so fast. (laughs) The feds are not going to let you guys do this. You can't just make money. Look what happened to the gold people. They tried this and the government came down hard on them. Yeah, it's trying to come out on them. <laughs> they're going to do that. That's what I fear, Wayne. That's what I fear is that all these banks getting permission to spark up wallets and spark up tokens. I think they're just gathering as much data as they can before they draw a hard line in the sand of, all right, you can deal with fiat crypto or you can deal with that dirty, dirty black market Bitcoin crypto. <clears throat> right. They're just going to get all the data they need to put that line in the sand because that's what they do. That's how governments that's operate. That's when I become a political activist. Yes. <laughs> that's, so, that's what I put on the old suit and tie. This, you know? uh, so when I heard about it in 2010, I dismissed it. I thought it was just just, just not going to happen. They were just going to come after you. That's because that's what governments do. Yeah. And then as I was looking for various forms of work, especially online, I kept seeing Bitcoin. If you fill things like out the surveys or these little quick money things or Amazon Turk, Turk stuff, those type of stuff, they were offering Bitcoin. I was like, what, what, what is this? And I, I eventually read the white paper. I started finding information. I think there was like one or two podcasts and a few, I think Andreas was like pretty much the only good one out there on the YouTubes. And I was just like, I didn't like Trace Mayer for many reasons. Um, a lot of these financial guys is just, I was like, you're the reason why people are trying to destroy this. Why are you here? <laughs> I, he felt, he, he seemed to me like a fed to me, Trace Mayer. That's just my opinion. Hmm. But I was just reading and listening and 
just lurking for the longest time. And then I was like, okay, let me try to mine. I couldn't get the computer to work. And then Doge came, Dogecoin came along. I was like, let me try to mine again. And I, I almost broke my laptop trying to do that. And I just, the community seemed much more fun because talking to people that were in the Bitcoin space back at that point, it was hard for people to answer new questions in a nice manner. They were like, how do you not know what a dat file is? How do you not know command line? It was like, Dogecoin was like, here, we'll give you some. Have it, have it. Here's, here's yes. <laughs> Dogecoin was like, oh, you don't know what command line is? You go here to your computer, you turn, you hit this. You don't know what the window key is. You see where there's the, on your keyboard that looks like a window? That's what people mean when there's a window key. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, they were, they were very friendly, and they would. They were, they were extremely they were, friendly, the, and the so, goal of Dogecoin was to use Dogecoin and just. You throw it to use, you, use Dogecoin. It's a good learning experience. It, it, was, it was, was because if you make a mistake, you've lost nothing. You did lose nothing, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I did lose some because I trusted a wallet right. online, and it got you know scammed. Yeah. I was like, if you oh. haven't gotten scammed, then you ain't in crypto yet. No, and I've been scammed a few times. But the, Wayne, have you been scammed before? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you don't get your marks. <laughs> Remember Honeybee or B, B, whatever that was? Oh, Neo B. Neo B, I think. They did. Yes, Neo they B. They did such a good job. They had me I got sold. Shocked. Can we go around the table and like how much money or how much I didn't want to think about how much money. Don't no, not not in today's value. I'm, I'm only going to disclose what I put on my tax forms as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I paid my taxes, IRSS man. I did. Corey, I'm thinking about how much Bitcoin I sent to DOB right now, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah. oh wow, that's a lot. Oh my god, that's a lot. Oh, how about computer crashes and hard drives and and not putting down your password right or your C phrase or any of that or trusting a paper wallet. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it it comes down to trade-offs. I mean, I mm -hmm. think everyone here has lost something. Everyone here has probably gained more. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to be put to the question, would you have rather not done it? I think the answer for all of us is yes. That that lesson was worth it and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it also comes down to when we talk about banking and crypto as if like banking is only bad. I mean, if, if we look at, if we look at, our cars, right? Mm-hmm. Cars amplify a lot of things. It allows us to get to hospitals, allows us to have jobs, but we also kill tens of thousands of people a year because we have cars. So it's a trade-off. And banking allows us to buy a bike over the internet without having to trust, you know, yes, you pay 3% credit card fee, but it enables so much more. It, it's like we forget That's and we bad. always, what's that? It's not all it's bad. Not, it's not all bad. So if if we look at, yes, there's the crypto is not doing enough. Yes, banking is not doing enough. But there's, you know, are we all on the same path to make it better tomorrow than it was today? And I think I, th- I think that's part of that trade off, too. We have lost crypto. Yeah. And, and we've gained political crypto. stuff that, so much that crypto's been part of, like with the WikiLeaks and the Wall Street stuff and contributing to different revolutionary causes and just the simple fact that very early on with the bitcoin core wallet which i downloaded you could send messages to people with no problems and no one would be able to read it yes i know pgp existed but that's such a 
cumbersome have thing fun. to u- utilize. <laughs> but there was this built-in thing, utility, you just type a message and send either no fee or send some Satoshis and someone can have that message. Or you can attach a message or note to whatever Bitcoin you were sending or something like that. And I, I found that mm-hmm. very revolutionary. Um, and so that's why I got into this space. And I still think there's still strong political, uh, whether people like it or not, this is a very political thing, creating money that's not yeah. part of any existing institutional form of governance that's, that's a, ever that's existed like a, before. I would agree with that. That's like a tertiary. That is very revolutionary. Uh, that's what, that's, that's what, like from a technology standpoint mm-hmm. and why, why a lot of this stuff interests me is, uh, I mean, I guess coming from a physics background, I'm like a deconstructionalist. I want to like take mm-hmm. everything apart to its like components yes. and and see how it works. Mm-hmm. And when you start trying to solve complex problems, like it's interesting to find things that solve the same problem, but remove a constraint that previously existed. Mm-hmm. So it still does the thing, but it no longer requires this like component that was that used to be integral to it and when you think yes. about it in terms of bitcoin it, it it solved the money problem or like the ability to transfer value digitally without requiring humans or at least like human moderation right and you didn't have and to have it, a pulse it, it changed what it meant to like insert human influence on the process of money and I like that, like that that type of situation where you like you solve a problem by removing something, mm-hmm. and in some cases, well, it generalizes it because it, 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 like once you have the thing, you can always add it back in somewhere above, mm-hmm. but you can always exit that and go back down below where it doesn't exist. Like we talk about with like Coinbase being a centralized entity on a decentralized platform. Don't like it? Take it out. Coinbase. I could. I had to say it. I could. And so, like that type of situation is is very important to me. Like I I like solving problems like that. And this ecosystem is trying to find ways to solve as many problems as they can, like that. And when you talk about distributing power, more often than not, you're taking humans out of the process to distribute power. And the distribution of power is fairly equitable i mean it's across yeah, the board is up to a level better. of your participation is much better but it's also not enforced by traditional mechanism of boots on the ground and bullets well it's also because we've removed the concept of humans as moderation mm-hmm. for, for, for the money and and also like the control over the supply of that money mm-hmm. for bitcoin you remove the need for jurisdictions that's why bitcoin is global because it doesn't require a jurisdiction Everywhere else, when you look at fiat money, it requires a government to to mandate how that monetary supply is done. The taxes have to be paid in it, and it has to have a military to enforce it. Yeah, we need a Bitcoin military. We need a Bitcoin military. Don't 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 say that, Jesse, because now we're saying the same thing. There's an app where you can you can hire off-duty cops. Because that's a good idea. Yes, such a good idea. Because that works. So Those are well called mercenaries. Yeah, uh, Merc- mercenaries. Sure, that's, that's the definition of a mercenary. Is what I'll was the pay pitch? me to do do work? You know, what was the pitch there? Have you that's ever a gig economy. To, uh, hire a <laughs> mercenary? Have you? Yeah. No. Um, it's just I think that what I think is that every I'm gonna go on my like philosophical uh, little little tributary here. Um, Every generation, I think, has a, an opportunity to affect technology in some way, shape, or form. Um, 
they get these opportunities or at least it's been that way for the past hundred or some odd years. It's probably not that way, but maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not a historian, but I feel like, um, you have to uh, make technology useful for more than just yourself. And I think that, you know, we had uh, the car, right? We had the turn of the 20th century, the car, and we had uh, the computers, uh, internet, um, and every, every generation is like identifying with these huge technological advancements, the telephone, right? And I think, our generation, maybe the 25 to 45 or 50 year olds, this is kind of a huge technological advancement that's kind of going to be our responsibility to to make it available and usable easily to the public. And it's so nuanced, right? I, I got to think about this a lot when I was traveling a lot. And I was like, man, planes have been around for a long time. But what percentage of the population knows how to fly one of these motherfuckers? Like, it's not a big percent. So what are we classifying as adoption there with just a plane? Planes have been around for a grip. But I'm not flying no planes. And I know nobody here flies planes either. But when it comes to adoption, we definitely have used them all before, probably. Right. And so it's like, okay, so what is adoption? Right. And what does it look like for crypto? And can we be reckless with it? Because it is money. Let's not get it twisted. Can we be reckless with that? Because there's probably lots of stories in history where being reckless with money led to a lot of bad things. Right. Like uh, Catholicism. I'm pretty sure they got pretty reckless with money and it led to a lot of bad things. And then banks were invented to basically counteract what they were doing when they were reckless with money. And now banks are the bad guys. And so it's like, it's kind of, I feel like the inevitability of people in our position is that we are going to have to be politically active in order to say what is the quote unquote right or wrong thing to do in certain scenarios, because people won't know. And they're going to delegate that responsibility to someone. And that's the way it always works. The, the, that's the, that's the, that's the inevitability of this stuff, because I mean, I'm talking like, I know, I know people across the gamut uh, and, and some of the smartest people I know are still like, dude, what? I don't understand this. And I'm like, Oh, this just says that you sent uh, money from this wallet to that wallet. And I'm like, but how do you know? And I'm like, cause it's, it says it, <laughs> it says it right there. It challenges your perceptions <laughs> of money. I mean, you're saying it simply, but, no, you didn't send money. It's all on the blockchain. You're assigning ownership, and now you have the key to unlock it. And so the, what's actually happening under the hood doesn't yet have a vocabulary that we have adopted. There's no That's wallet. That, there's no. You don't have any Bitcoin. You, it's, it's, it's going to take a generation for us to actually adopt exactly. the real underpinnings of what's happening. Exactly. It's, in terms like wallet. Yeah. It's going to take, it's going to take, <laughs> I think it might take several. Like I, I look at those, that famous chart that shows the adoption curve of famous technologies that have changed society. And I look at where crypto is on that. And it's like just barely getting off the ground when it comes to time. And it's like, Oh wow, this is going to take a long, 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 long time. But everything gets faster too. So yeah, everything gets faster. D. It's not gonna everything's be faster. Millennials, they did a study where apparently 40% of millennials that they surveyed from the study possess some form of cryptocurrency. Well, so that's because we have access to all the previous exponential technologies 
yes. that are available to but, us now, right? We can use sense. those to, to, to catalyze the adoption of new exponential technologies. So, and if we consider mm -hmm. blockchain an exponential technology, like AI, well, we're talking about human computing, behavior. you know, things like that, then it gets adopted faster because you we have things to catalyze it. And like oh, the, that adoption process has been felt. I think it was, we did this in a previous episode with back when Cello was with us when we talked about, this is the first time in I think the history of the world where there's more than just one exponential technology being, being adopted at once. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. Like before it was just like, they're roads. That's it. That's all I could. That's all. That's the only adoption thing that, that, that mattered was cars and roads. Next yeah. was, before that, it would be like what, like electricity or like Telephone. like the like the Iron Age. Like there's certain things in throughout all of history where like you there's one there's one big thing that happened that revolutionized the world. We've got multiple going on at the exact same time. Yeah. But this, this is, but to speak to what Dia said about changing human behavior, uh, for example, smoking. Smoking used to be a huge cultural part and still is in some aspects of the globe, particularly, particularly in the, in the Asian is. region. But it was. It was. But it, smoking was banned. You used to be able to smoke with your teachers as a senior, <laughs> kick it in the back of the, the back of school and smoke. And then it you know, got banned from school. Teachers, students, nothing. That started in 1992. Uh, smoking in the There's car. Still ashtrays on the airplane ashtrays in the fast food places uh ash yeah ashtrays on the airplanes um it used to be for the longest time that you would know when a certain particular building was built or a uh, chair was built because they had a little ashtray in it and you see none of that uh smoking has significantly reduced Still here, um, and that was from a governmental top-down push on society but it was also global and it changed people's human behavior. People didn't pick up smoking as much. Yeah. Well, science, it's because they found it caused too. cancer, right? There's <laughs> some sort of a science in there Carcinogenic. Too. Yeah, but <laughs> alcohol causes liver disease and drunk drivingness and all sorts of problems, but we still... And good ass have, times, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> there's not a significant ban as there is, you know, smoking, you know. Yeah, and it's really good though. Alcohol took culture like it's rooted deep too deep well just wait till we get the the science behind being addicted to your phone i think some of that's already come out social media right mm. well yeah. it's just like with smoking and yeah. with other things the i'm sure some of the studies are being suppressed or biased i mean yes. it's it's going to be part of the human condition all the time true yeah. Um, but I do think like with what you, what you were saying, Corey, uh, there's so much going on right now where we're, there's such a multiplier of things going on. I, I do think though, that it's not going to be generational key. I think it's probably just going to be two. It's us, the Zsters, and then whatever they're going to call the next generation. And that, that's it. That's the thing. Yeah. People are already awesome. comfortable with like number on my phone means value. Yes. Now we just got to make sure that it, those things aren't manipulated. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not about them being comfortable with it. It's about whether or not those things are manipulable. Manip manipulatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, kids are sending, sending party invites over TikTok and causing riots. I mean. <laughs> Let's pause for the cause for a second and go back to the kickback for the sixth year anniversary of the show. Probably start wrapping it up. Let's wrap, let's wrap well, it up. I, 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 I have something for both of those 
So I have a question for each of you. Jesse. Yeah. Is what you do actually hard? <laughs> oh, what I'm currently doing? <laughs> I'm checking out on this Engineering one. Engineering is a piece of cake compared to this. The medical? Yeah. yeah. Studying for this exam to try and score as well as I'm trying to do right now? Definitely. Podcast okay. stuff? No. <laughs> it's easy for walk in the park? Yeah. Well, I'm oh, like, what the hell you mean, though? Talks. It's difficult, <laughs> Jesse. I'm looking right at you. I mean, I mean, it's it's time, right? It's time to record. And then it's also there's like back of house time, like what we're trying to manage, you know, other things in the background. So, I mean, yeah, but like in terms of like the 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 most difficult thing that's going on in my life right now is making this career change. And it's taken me almost three years. So, I mean, this is this is by far one of the hardest things I've ever done. You got more to go, man. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, D. Yes. The, your, your, your question is, in 10 words or less, can you describe the Bitcoin podcast? Mm-hmm. In 10 words or less, it is for the streets, for the people. No, I'm kidding. That was little B's answer. Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, the Bitcoin podcast is uh, a show where you can get easily digestible crypto information. Okay, good. <laughs> we wanted something more. <laughs> no, no, it's I. I wanted to see him squirm, so I got what I wanted. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because that's it. You know, I, I asked you your question. I asked him kind of his question. I'm going to ask Corey. Uh, was there anything we should have asked you but didn't? No, we covered. Is there anything we? Is there anything we should have covered cover in the six agenda, years? So I have... The six years kickback that that didn't cover. Yeah, uh, things we're going to be doing, I think, in the future, maybe premium content, maybe not. We don't know. Is is actually kicking back and watching old content together, mm. and ruminating how right, wrong, and stupid we were. <laughs> or like, just laughing. We're just laughing at the conversation because who, what the type of content we played back, we've all grown tremendously. Uh, like in our professionalism, our like our, our personal lives, what we care about, what we know. Like we've all grown in the process of making this and 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 doing it and looking back on it and like having fun with it. I think would be would be really fun because that like. We like, the types of things we were saying back then. What we talked about just within Bitcoin is is so weird in comparison to the current scene because of how fast this industry moves. And then looking back at like who we were and what we cared about during those times is going to be interesting. Because like I can I can't wait to hear the dumb shit mm-hmm. I said. What I like and off on the random tangents I went on in terms of explaining things. Because I, I bet that like a good portion of them are are different than where I live now, and I think in today's society, like we like we don't appreciate how much people change over their lives, and we expect them to be the same person forever, and that's not the case. So. All right, so then I have a, a question for the producer: are, are you on board with the this new the Bitcoin podcast reacts? to the Bitcoin podcast series that they're going to come out with? I think they're we going to be call it that. very amazed about some of the stuff they said. 
and the vocabulary because I was doing stuff was very vulgar. Not me. I know who I am. You were. I know. I know exactly who I am. Everyone here and listening. I know what I said. Uh, Will I be apologizing? Yes. Uh, (laughs) But it is what it is. yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know we, we do have three trademark questions. That's pretty solid. Um, uh, so to everyone who watched, uh, thank you for watching. Uh, we got to do the things that we typically do uh, when we wrap these shows. So, man, six years is a long time. Holy cow. Ken Bozak has a tattoo of, of us on his arm. By the way, I reached out to old Bozak. He's probably going to be coming on the show probably in the next few months. Nice. Um, so please uh, become a Patreon, a patron. You can go to the patreon.com slash the Bitcoin podcast and become a patron. The tiers uh, are there and you'll get things. Are we great at being content creators on, on Patreon? No. Have a day, Ken. Uh, no, we're not the best. But uh we we will be one day we like to we're on a real tortoise path towards content creation baby uh join the slack if you haven't done so already i think it was a year ago when i said i'd like to have 800 slack members and we are right there we are like wait a second we are we are seven members away from 800 members in slack i know not all of you are active but that's pretty dope that I could, we could bring 800 people <laughs> in one spot. Um, let's say, what else do we got going? We got uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, don't uh, leave us a review. Oh, Corey, like my parents told me to stop saying what we typically say. Do you want to say what we typically say? Oh, they don't like it? Yeah. Yeah, my parents don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? You gotta That's listen. To, you gotta respect the parents. All right, stop. I mean, I can't say it, but you can. Oh, okay. Fuck off. <laughs> That's not even what we say. That's it's not close. even what, close enough. That's not even close to what we say. It's close enough. Uh, what I'll say is, uh, if you don't, if you don't want to give us a five star review, then kindly close your podcast app. Okay. And stop listening to us. But if you do want to give us a I review, the, I think the one stars and two stars are hilarious. They are. They're pretty <laughs> I don't know. Maybe before before you do, like I think I enjoy doing this because I don't care about that stuff, and I think there's other ways to grow a community and potentially monetize a podcast. I don't want to use. Mm-hmm. I don't want to become this thing that we like have to do. Like, please like, subscribe to the video, click on the thing because the YouTube algorithm likes it. Like, no, don't. <laughs> I've seen care. that before. You're right. That is such a huge turnoff. Like even when you're watching a very well produced channel, and they're like, "Lee, look at this data, guys. Only six of you guys are subscribed." I don't care. I'm gonna find a better more. way. I, I want to like, find a better way to do it. And then I'm not. I'm not gonna like change the podcast so that we get more numbers. Well, me and Jesse don't already get more have numbers. Way. Then people don't yeah, like we, us. We already have. A I don't we care. Already have the better way, Corey. You've got to get on board, and that's Thirst Trap Thursdays when this man's done studying for his MCAT. Okay. All right. You can get on board. I'm going back at jujitsu. I'll start getting. I'll start looking good again. Heck yeah! So much nip. So much nip. All right. Uh, so look <laughs> back to the shout outs here. Let's start our shout outs, baby. We got Charlize Theron. Rocking the bangs. 
I see you. Shout out to her. Um, she is one of my favorite actresses out of South Africa. Megan the Stallion. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna let Corey do these shout outs. Who is it, Corey? This, 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 this ain't my part of the show. We could drop the whole here? thing for all I care. Are you, you specifically requested this. I don't even know person. who that is. I don't know who that is. It's uh, Dragon Lady, Game of Thrones. All right. That was her, really? Yeah. Achilles. And yeah. Then that's uh, Emma, Emma, that's Emma something. Emma. That's Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. There you go. Here. Oh, we just we just put redheaded white woman on here now. Whoa, man! Why you gotta be so like putting people on a box, bro? What's that about? <laughs> Drop a whole section for like you specifically requested women of non-color. Oh, because you said all white. these are are people of color. So I said so. Alicia and I, I said, just point it out. Well, this that doesn't mean I want is to give shout outs to women who are. Red, red-headed and white. We're Asian. <laughs> Alicia, you're just low-key making fun of us, I think. Because this is just Asian, red-headed, this white women. Alicia's and free time women. to, like, troll us. <laughs> Shout out to Zazi Beats. Shout out to uh, uh, old white face and long neck. You're doing your thing, girl. I was watching Drumline the other day. Let me tell you something. That... That's a that's a wide face. Like that is a genuine. That is to scale. That's to scale. Uh, shout out to old Michelle Obama doing your thing with those long fingers. I see uh, Michael B. Jordan, nice pea coat jacket. Lori Harvey. Um, she's she's losing some Instagrams talking about her. They are. Uh, shout out to um gabrielle union okay like Corey and jesse aren't even paying attention they're just clicking away these yeah. are important shout outs guys no, I, i'm 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 setting up for something shout out to, i'm not paying uh, attention 100 not paying attention the show's over to me becky lynch <laughs> not becky lynch rhea ripley shout out to her she looks like a ripley believe it or not and that's it that's all the shout outs that we one more, have one more. and <laughs> shout, shout out, out. To Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Jesse. Wait, but Jesse, you, you can recognize yeah. me only because there's a label on it. <laughs> That's not true. I would see you from anywhere. I spot you from a crowd. So, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you guys for listening for all these years. Thank you for all the new listeners who continue to chime in. Uh, thank you for all the feedback. Oh, thank you to that very special person that I haven't talked to in a while that showed me and is a family member that showed me that we have one star reviews on iTunes. Um, as to which my response was, why don't you go make a podcast so I can give you one <laughs> jerk. Um, and then for those of you that give us five star reviews, we absolutely love you. We do from the bottom of our hearts. Now go click and subscribe. No, I'm playing. Uh, that's all I got. You guys got it? Hey, you. Do you like chips? Like, do you really like chips? Where to the point where you're eating chips so much that you 
look around and there's crumbs and you're like, who put those crumbs there? Did I put those crumbs there? And I'm, and I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, you did. Cause you like chips. And if you like Cheetos, especially flaming hot Cheetos, then you should tell people to subscribe to this channel, the Bitcoin podcast, because one out of a thousand, that's right. When we get a thousand subscribers, one of them is going to get a hundred bags of Cheetos, flaming hot Cheetos, baby. Think to yourself, how, how many Cheetos is that? And I'm here to tell you, it's like a million calories. If you ate it all, you would most definitely not be healthy, but we're going to send them to you because Flamin' Hot Cheetos are amazing. So that's right. Share this around. Get us to a thousand subscribers. We'd like to have a thousand subscribers because if we had a thousand subscribers, that means one of those thousand subscribers is getting a hundred bags of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. <laughs> I forgot about that. I like it. That was awesome. You that heard what good. it said? Tell your friends to subscribe. You might get some Cheetos. You might. Maybe not. We'll send you those Cheetos in the year 2027. You're getting them Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Play the outro.